Okay. All right. <clears throat> so anyway, <clears throat> that timeline again, Genesis to Revelation is so, is so wonderful. When you read your Bible, you're going to, you'll go, and you, you know people assisted in this process, putting that together. But it was the Lord. It was the Lord that did all this. Wow. Anyway, okay, so Genesis to Revelation timeline here. And I want to go to the book of Acts. Jesus is already, let's just take a look at it. The book of Acts, it, it may as well be called the book of history, okay, because it's, uh, it took place right after, uh, well, he's just now leaving, okay. He says, Dear friend who loves God, Acts chapter 1, in my first letter, I told you about Jesus' life. You say, first letter? Yeah, this guy wrote Luke. <gasps> I didn't know that. Yeah, he wrote Luke. I told you about Jesus' life and teaching, how he returned to heaven after giving us his chosen apostles further instructions from the Holy Spirit. Remember, apostle just means like journalists, reporters or whatever, special messengers, you know, virus protection, you know. I'm kidding, you know. Okay. Anyway, notice it says, during the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time actually alive and proved to them in many ways that he really was himself they were seeing. We've got some of those stories. You go, you know, yeah. On these occasions, he talked to them, notice this, about the kingdom of God. So that picks up in the Old Testament because they were waiting for the next king because they lost it all to Nebuchadnezzar. And they were like, when are we going to get our kingdom back? Here's where it comes. In one of those places, he told them, don't leave uh, uh, Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on them. Okay. Anyway, we know that took place. And then, of course, we know that he finally, he ascended. Uh, here it goes. Not long afterwards. He arose into the sky and disappeared. Now, he meant long, not long afterwards, in a few minutes, right after he was talking to it. Uh, he disappeared into a cloud, leaving them staring after him. Now, notice this. As they were straining their eyes for another glimpse, suddenly two white men robed were standing among them. What's this? They're angels. Wow. And they said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus has gone away into heaven, and someday, just as he went... He will return. Now, we know all that. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again. Remember that? John chapter. Okay. Now, I'm going to skip ahead. All right. So, this is a history timeline. Here we go. History, history, history. And I want to pick up here in, uh, in the sixth chapter here. Oh, there was a little incident, a little church incident. Some people thought they were being miffed a little, well, not miffed, but left out a little bit. The widows weren't getting... Certain widows, maybe Jewish widows, were getting a better treatment than the Gentile widows and stuff like that. And the disciples said, look, we don't have time to play logistics. That's what it was. Let's get a couple of guys to take care of this. Well, anyway, Stephen was one of them. He was a man of unusual faith and the Holy Spirit, and so were these other guys. Okay. Oh, now, they took care of everything. But anyway, interesting story here. It's not a mythological thing. This is right during the timeline. What happened? So notice this. Stephen... Well, I thought he was supposed to be logistics, helping out with the janitorial service. Well, yeah, but look at this. I don't care what level you are in the body of Christ. Look what you have at your disposal. He was full of faith in the Holy Spirit's power, did spectacular miracles among the people. Oh, you mean that's a misprint. That's supposed to be Peter. No, Peter was doing it too. This was a lower guy. Wow. But one day, boy, people don't like this. Well, they didn't like Jesus either. Same old stuff. They want you to shut up. You know, they came to argue with him. Okay. But anyway, no, look at this. And this is the same thing with you. None of them was able to stand against Stephen's wisdom and spirit. Now, remember, he's not been to seminary, whatever. No, he just simply knows Jesus like you do. Nobody can resist you either. You always come up with the greatest answers because you work for Jesus. Amen. It's just amazing. You'll just, you'll go, I can't believe I said that, you know, whatever. 
So they brought some men in to lie about him, you know. And they heard Stephen, they said, oh, we heard Stephen curse Moses and even God. Oh, brother, yeah, really. Anyway, so these guys, they, they got all over Stephen. Okay, uh, they arrested him. They brought him before the council. Yeah, see, there was a, a uh, luck will get into it, but I mean, you, you, your neighborhood or whatever, but this is the Jewish nation. They had people that took care of uh, their business, and these guys were <clears throat> senators. They declared, we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and throw out all of Moses' laws. <laughs> well, actually, that was true. <laughs> you know. But anyway, they were, they were trying to make it sound like whatever. But notice this. Uh, at some, every point, uh, no, excuse me, at this point, everyone in the council uh, uh, chamber saw Stephen's face become as radiant as an angel. Now, look, we don't read this next year. Boom. These markers were in there to help us find places. Then, right then, right when his face looked like an angel, okay, right then, right when he's being accused, the high priest says, are these accusations true? This was Stephen's, notice this, lengthy reply. Now notice this, he just endorsed Genesis. The glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Iraq. That's, he, his name doesn't even show up until right after the flood at the end, the last verse in Genesis chapter 11. The flood was just two chapters before that. The flood took two chapters. Genesis 1 was creation. Genesis 2 was a recount of it. Genesis 3 was when they fall. Genesis 4 is Adam's sons. You know, they get into it. Cain killed Abel. And then there's two chapters of genealogies. Then there's a flood. And then here's where this comes in. So it's, it's, it's shorter than you think. Okay? I mean, if, if uh, um, Bob gave us his genealogy, what he knew about Lacey Springs, it wouldn't be any longer than this. It's easy. It's easy to understand. He told him to leave his native land and say goodbye to his relatives, start out for a country he would direct him to. Now, I'm not going to go into big detail here, but this is word for word what we already know. Laid out beautifully. Wow. Abraham, the ceremony of circumcision was evidence of the covenant between God and the people of Abraham. Isaac's son, okay, okay, we know that. Abraham's son, Isaac. Then there's Jacob, wow. Then they were gone into slavery in Egypt, and you know all that story. Look all that. Here it is. The food was gone. Joseph, coat of many colors, he was down there. Look how this endorsed every bit of this. Wow. Okay, now, he's, <laughs> he goes all the way to talking about David and Solomon, okay? Notice here's where uh, he said, so they made a calf idol and sacrificed to it. You know, boy, Stephen, Stephen just, boy, he knew this stuff. Wow. Okay. Finally, he's going to say, you know, you guys are so stiff-necked and whatever. Uh, what did he say right here? He held up right, right here. And he said, yeah, he said, you stiff-necked heathens. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did? Name one prophet you didn't persecute. Now, I'm leading up to a point here, okay? But anyway, so the Jewish leader, boy, they were stung to fury. They ground their teeth in, right? You know what they're going to do? They're going to kill him. Matter of fact, they did. Look at this. They got him right here. Stephen wasn't worried about it. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily. Look at this. Into heaven. You know, boy, where's Jesus when you need him? He was right there. Stephen looked up into heaven. Uh, uh, he said, I see heaven's opened and Jesus the Messiah standing before God. He's lying. He's had, he's had too much pizza. No, he wasn't. He saw this. Standing at his right hand. Boy, they mobbed him, put their hands over their ears. They didn't want to hear him say this. <laughs> Man, they dragged him out of the city and they stoned him. The executioners took their coats and they laid it at the feet of a young, na young man named Paul. Who's that guy? He's the guy who wrote most of the rest of the New Testament. Look what happened to Paul. Now, Paul was in on it, buddy. 
As these murderous stones came hurling at Stephen, not hurling at him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees and shouted, Lord, look at that. Don't charge them with this sin. Now, if that's not the Billy Graham love that we had heard all Billy Graham's life, tell us that God loves you. Oh, my gosh. Because remember, Jesus said that same thing on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Wow. Oh, my goodness. All right. We'll go right into the eighth chapter. Notice it says here that Paul was in complete, complete agreement killing of Stephen. And a great wave of persecutions of believers began that day. Man, Paul was having these guys killed. Wow, Paul was like a madman going everywhere to devastate the believers, even going into private homes. Can you imagine that? Going into Phil's home, Myrna's home. You a Christian? Yeah, just grab you and take you. Where am I going? Wow. But the believers had fled Jerusalem and went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. Wow. All right, now I'm going to skip ahead because that's the last year but Paul for a moment. Now, I'm pick up again in the ninth chapter. This is about 50 verses later. But Paul, boy, he's, he's going after this thing. Threatening with every breath and eager to destroy every Christian, he went to the high priest and said, look, give me your permission. I want to go to some outside towns, 40, 50, 100 miles away, and I'm going to drag them all back here. We're going to kill them. He requested a letter addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, that means churches, requiring the cooperation in the persecution of any believers he found there, both men and women, so that he could bring them in chains to Jerusalem. As he was nearing Damascus on the mission, suddenly, whoop, a brilliant light from heaven spotted down on him. He fell to the ground. Miss fairy tales. Oh, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. What makes this so hard? If God created the world, can't he shout down from heaven? Of course he can. Praise the Lord. This is not the first time in the life of Jesus there was a voice from heaven. Spoke, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Right before Jesus was crucified, they heard it again. You know, and Jesus said, this, this voice wasn't for my sake, it was for your sake. <laughs> because this voice came down and said, this is my son, hear ye him. Okay. And the voice replied, I'm Jesus. Because Paul said, who are you? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and await my further instructions. Boy, this, this rattled Paul to the core. He's like, uh, maybe I'm going the wrong direction in this matter. Well, he didn't know. He didn't know. The men of Paul stood speechless with surprise, for they heard someone's voice, but they saw no one. As Paul picked himself up from the ground, he found he was blind. Wow. He had to be led to Damascus and was there three days blind without food and water at that time. I mean, can you imagine? Be, I don't want to eat. Something, something happened. I know what I heard. I, he said it was Jesus. Now, there was in Damascus, we'll just say Decatur, a believer named, you know, whatever, Andy, whatever, Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision saying, Andy... Yes, Lord. Uh, now, notice what Andy's reply is here. The Lord says, go over to Straight Street and find the house of Judas and ask there for Paul of Tarsus. He's praying to me. Now, <laughs> Andy knows, Ananias knows, no, wait a minute, this guy, <laughs> this guy may kill me. I mean, are you sure you know what you're doing? He's praying to me right now, for I have shown him in a vision a man named Ananias, Andy will say, coming in, laying his hands on him so that he can see again. That's why Laura's leg needs to feel all right. I mean, if something goes wrong, you need to get it fixed. The Lord will help you. But Lord, exclaimed Andy, Ananias, I've heard about the terrible things this man has, been, has done to believers. Do you see the praise report? Your worst enemy, God took care of him. Praise the Lord. But not only that, boy, he really took care of him. And we hear that he has arrest warrants from the chief priest authorizing him to arrest every believer in Damascus. The Lord said, go do what I say, for Paul's my chosen instrument. Wow, really? Yeah. To take my message to the nations and before kings. Boy, he sure did. He went all the way to Caesar as well as to the people of Israel. 
Now we're in Acts chapter 9 here. Verse 16, I'll show him how much he must suffer for me. So Ananias went over and found Paul, laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit and get your sight back. Instantly, it was as though scales fell from his eyes. Paul could see and was immediately baptized. He ate and was strengthened. Okay. What happened next? He stayed with the believers in Decatur, we'll say, Damascus, for a few days. Went at once to the synagogue to tell everyone the good news about Jesus that he indeed is the Son of God. I mean, the light just comes on. This guy knew the scriptures, and all of a sudden he's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you start putting the Bible together, and you're going, oh, yeah, I got it. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the man that persecuted Jesus' followers so bitterly in Jerusalem, they said? And we understand that he came here to arrest them all and take them in chains to the chief priest. Now, it's like we hear today about the fake news. <laughs> they think this is fake news. They still think Paul's playing a game. Oh, it can't be right, Paul. He's, he's setting us up. Paul became more fervent in his preaching. And the Damascus Jews couldn't withstand his proofs that Jesus was indeed Christ. Now, how can you do that in just two or three days? Oh, it's pretty easy once you decide Jesus is Lord. You figured it, you figure it all out. Okay. After a while, the Jewish leaders, now they're trying to kill him. But Paul was told about their plans, and you'll always escape too, like King David did. They were watching at the gates of the city, and night prepared to murder him. So during the night, some of his converts led him down in a basket through a uh, through an opening in the city wall. Paul writes in a letter in Corinthians, and he mentions this. Same thing. Upon arrival in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers. Here it is. But they were all afraid of him. <laughs> I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't have any room at the table tonight. Okay. They thought he was faking. Then Barnabas brought him before the apostles and told him how Paul had seen the Lord. Boy, Barnabas just told him, says, no, it, it, Paul's on our side now. Wow. Uh, what the Lord had said to him and all the powerful preaching he did in the name of Jesus. They accepted him, and after that he was constantly with the believers and preached boldly in the name of the Lord. Oh, but then some of the Greek-speaking Jews, remember Jesus spoke Greek, okay, uh, whom he had argued plotted to murder. Boy, they're trying to kill him, you know. However, when the other believers heard about his danger, boy, they sent him out of town. Hey, get out of town, quick, quick. So they sent him to Tarsus. Meanwhile, the church had peace. Throughout Judea. Now remember what we just started? The church was being raked over the coals. But what's happened now? Church has got peace. Now, let's go look at his letter. Watch this. I'm in, uh, go to the book of Romans here. This is incredible. It's like I say, I mean, <clears throat> we're all going to go home to be with the Lord someday. Billy Graham went home to be with Jesus. You know, if you've ever caught him on TV, I know, I remember watching, I'm flipping channels, flipping channels. And I'll, Billy Graham went by, and I'm still flipping him. As a youngster, and I'm like, and I go back, and I'd listen for a few minutes or whatever, and I'm like, he didn't preach for 20 minutes, but, you know, praise the Lord. You just knew what you heard was from the Lord and the truth. Dear friends in Rome, this letter is from Paul, Romans chapter 1. Jesus Christ, slave, chosen to be a missionary, sent out to preach God's good news. This good news, now you got to get thinking, what is good news? was promised long ago by God's prophets in the Old Testament. It's the good news about His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who came as a human baby, born into David's royal family line. And, uh, and by being raised from the dead, wow, being raised from the dead, uh, what else does it say here? Was proved to be the mighty Son of God with the holy nature of God Himself. Now, we've got to think about what, what, does good, what is this good news? And now, through Christ, all the kindness of God has been poured out upon us undeserving sinners. It's not about us being perfect. We're never going to get perfect enough anyway. And now he's sending us around telling the world 
the, all the people everywhere, the great things God's done for them so that they too will believe and obey him. You dear friends in Rome are among those he dearly loves. You are invited to by Jesus, are invited by Jesus Christ to be his very own, yes, his holy people. May God's mercy and peace be yours from God our Father and from Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me say first, wherever I go, I keep he's gonna say, I keep hearing about what's going on in Rome with you guys. Let's just keep reading. I want to get to For your faith in God is becoming known around the world. How I thank God through Jesus Christ for this good report for each one of you. God knows how I pray for you day and night. I bring you and your needs in prayer to the one I serve with all my might, telling others the good news about his son. Well, why would you bring the Lord somebody's needs? Well, to me, it'd be a waste of time if it's not getting fixed. It is getting fixed, praise the Lord. So that's good. One of these things I keep praying up for is the opportunity, God willing, to come and see you at last. And if possible, I'll have a safe trip. Guess what? That's the whole last four chapters in the book of Acts. He got there. For I long to visit with you so that I can impart to you the faith that will help your church grow strong in the Lord. Then I need your help, for I want to not only share my faith with you, but to be encouraged by yours. Each of us will be, will be blessed by each other. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, each of us will be, be a blessing to the other. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers, that I planned to come many times before, but I was prevented. So that I could work among you and see good results as I have among other Gentiles. In other words, Paul wasn't wasting time. Wherever he was, things were going great, praise the Lord. You read the book of Acts and you'll see it. I mean, they stoned Paul in chapter 13. He was dead. And the disciples got around him, or what the people did, and all of a sudden, Paul got up. Praise the Lord. Other fantastic miracles. For I owe a great debt to you and everyone else, both civilized people and uncivilized alike. Yes, the educated and uneducated. So that to my fullest extent of my ability, I'm ready to come to you in Rome to preach, notice this phrase, God's good news. What is this? For I'm not ashamed of this good news. Well, he was at first. He's trying to kill everybody about Christ. But notice this. It's God's powerful method. Now think of this. Well, you need to put to bed any worries you have about meeting Jesus someday. Will I get there? How am I going to? Please. This picture is an image of him coming to your house. He's going to make sure you go. And not just make sure you go to heaven, but make sure you're okay too. If your leg's hurting like Lord's, what, or any kind of pain, he's going to take care of you. So here we go. Uh, it's, uh, it's God's powerful method of bringing all who believe to heaven. This message was first preached to the Jews only, but now everyone's invited to come and God, to, to God the same way. This good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven, makes us right in God's sight when we put our faith in Christ to save us. You're not going to do it on your own. I'll quit chewing gum. I'll quit drinking whiskey. I'll quit doing this. It's not going to get you there. If you want to do those things, fine. But that's not what's going to get you there. This good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven, makes us right in God's sight when we put our faith and trust in Christ to save us. This is accomplished, look at this, from finish, from start to finish by faith. The King James says from faith to faith. We can figure that out. Start to finish. You're going to be using your faith. As the scripture says, the man who finds life will find it through trusting God. Hmm. Now watch this. This is so powerful. It's like, oh my gosh. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, evil men who push away the truth from them. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. Look at that. I'm trying to tell old uncle so-and-so and he just won't. He's got it built in his system. God put, first off, he's created in God's image. You don't even have to be told this. He knows it. 
God stuck it in them instinct. God put this knowledge in their hearts. Since earliest times, men have seen the earth and sky and all that God... Well, wait a minute, it's evolution. No, it ain't evolution. All that God made. And have known of his existence with great eternal power. So they have no excuse when they stand before him at judgment day. I mean, people today, they're like, I don't believe in judgment day. So I won't be going. <laughs> You're going to be called there. You will be called there. Trust me. But with you and I, it's sheep and goats. We're all going to be sheep. Those other guys are going to be goats. Man. Let's keep reading. Look what happens. This is the good news. Yes, they all knew about him, but they didn't admit him. Didn't admit it or worship him. They weren't even thankful. Excuse me. They wouldn't even thank. Look at that phrase. Or even thank him for his daily care. Remember, Jesus said there's not one sparrow falls to the ground without him knowing it. But you are worth more than many sparrows. Wow. And after a while, they began to think up silly ideas of what God was like. Oh, here we go. You just browse the internet and you can hear this. What he wanted them to do. The result was their foolish minds became dark and confused, claiming themselves to be so wise without God. They became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious and ever-living God, they took wood and stone and they made idols for themselves, carving up uh, to them to look like mere birds and animals, snakes and puny men. So God let them go ahead. So that explains, well, how, why is the world this way? Why God let it? It's their fault. God gave them up. Look at that. God gave them up to every sort of sex sin and to do whatever they wanted to. Yes, vile and sinful things with each other's bodies. Instead of believing uh, what they knew to be the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they prayed to the things God made, but wouldn't obey the blessed God who made these things. That's why God let them go and let them do all these evil things so that even their women turned against God's natural plan for them and indulged in sex sin with each other. And the men, instead of having sex with women, they had sex with men. Okay. Some people right there, they, that's the only thing. They're, they're, they're missing the whole point here. They're, they're going, well, God just hates homosexuality. God hates lesbians. Keep reading. Keep reading here. We've all blown it. Adam's sin alone cost us all. It's not all about... You know, some sort of sex problem. Okay, keep reading. But we see what happened here. And the men, instead of having normal sex with women, they burned with lust for each other. Men doing shameful things with each other. And as a result, getting paid in their own souls, the penalty that they so richly deserve. So it was that when God gave them up and would not even... Uh, no, they, they, gave up, they gave God up and would not acknowledge Him. God gave them up to doing everything their evil minds could think of. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. Now remember, this is supposed to be a letter to a church. It's not supposed to be some spiritual letter. It's a letter like you would write an email to one of your friends. So we don't just stop right here and we go, because remember, he's digging a big hole saying, and watch what he does. Oh, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting, lying, bitterness, and gossip. Where did the homosexuals go? I was earlier. Okay. They were backbiters, haters of God, insolent, proud, baggards, uh, excuse me, braggarts, always thinking of new ways of sinning and constantly being disobedient to parents. Well, we've heard that before. Some people don't even want to acknowledge their parents anymore. They tried to misunderstand. They broke promises, were heartless, without pity. They were fully aware of God's death penalty for these crimes. Yet they went on ahead and did them, and they encouraged us to do this. Time out. We'll read the rest of it next year. Oh, no, we won't. Let's see what's going on because, boy, well, you may be saying, what terrible people you've been talking about. But wait a minute. Let's have prayer. Let's all go home. <laughs> no, I won't know what he says. You and I are just as bad. No, I beg your pardon because I'm not a homo. <laughs> and I'm not a lesbian. <laughs> Look what he says. You are just as bad. Wait a minute. When you say they are wicked and should be punished. 
Boy, God got him in Sodom and Gomorrah. Way to go, God. Roll Tide. Get him. We don't want that nasty stuff. And remember, we say today, we hope San Diego, whatever it is, San Francisco just fall off California coast. They just earthquake, get them one day. Wait a minute. And we know that God's just and will punish anyone who does such things as these. Do you think that God will judge and condemn others for doing them and overlook you when you do them too? Well, yeah, but mine's not as... Go back to Adam. Don't eat, yeah, don't eat. He just said, don't eat that fruit. I mean, come on, a kid does that. You tell a kid, stay out of candy. You go out of the room. Hey, we're in it. Boy, that, that Adam did cost death. In this book right here, the, the fifth chapter, by one man's offense, one man's offense, death reigned. That's the big difference between evolution and stuff. You say, well, evolution, well, you know, it might have, could have. No, it's a big problem. Death came by Adam. It didn't come by evolution. Survival of the fittest. No. Truth of that is, it's survival of the luckiest. It's not the fittest, anyway. You could have disasters hit. Oh, a bunch of holes in that whole thing. Our timeline works. Theirs doesn't. Okay, anyway. So we know that God's uh, injustice will punish anyone that does such things. Do you think God will judge and condemn others for doing them and overlook you? And you don't, don't you realize how patient he's being with you? Or do you? Watch this. We're only going to go through three and go home, but watch this. It's so, so strong. Uh, uh, or don't you care? Don't you see he's been waiting for you all this time without punishing you to give you time to turn from your sin? His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But no, you won't listen. So you're saving up terrible punishment for yourself because of your stubbornness and refusing to turn from your sin. And there's going to come a day of wrath. Oh my gosh. When God will be the judge of all the earth. He will give each one whatever his deeds deserve. He will give eternal life to those who patiently do the will of God. Mm, and then something else to these other guys. Okay. All right. Uh, seeking for the unseen glory and eternal life that he offers. But he will terribly punish those who fight against the truth and walk in evil ways. God's anger will be poured about all of them. On all of them. There will be sorrow and suffering for Jews and Gentiles alike who keep on sinning. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who obey him, uh, whether they're Jews or Gentiles. For God treats everyone the same. He'll punish sin wherever it's found. He'll punish the heathen when they sin. Or even, even though they never had God's written laws, for down in their hearts they know right from wrong. Remember in the Old Testament we were looking, there was a sacrifice every day. I mean, the women folks, think about it, that's how it gets me. The women folks, when you were on your monthly thing... You had to take an offering. What for? It's because we were covered with sin. Amen. Man, gee, men were the same way. Okay. God's laws are written in their hearts. Their consciences accuses them or sometimes excuses them. God will punish Jews for sinning just because, I mean, because they have his written laws but don't obey him. They know what's right but don't do it. After all, salvation is given to those who know what to do. Uh, it's not given to those who know what to do unless they do it. The day will surely come when God at Jesus' command, at the command of Jesus, uh, will judge the secret lives of everyone, their innermost thoughts and motives. This is all part of God's great plan, which I proclaim. Now, you Jews think all is well between yourselves and God because he gave you his laws. You brag you're his special friends. Yes, you are. No, excuse me. Yes, you know what he wants and you know right from wrong and favor right because he's taught you his laws from earliest youth. Youth. You are so sure that the way to God that you could point it out to a blind man. You think of yourselves as beacon lights directing men who are lost in darkness to God. You think you can guide the simple and teach every child, every, uh, teach even children the affairs of God. For you really know his laws, which are full of knowledge and truth. Yes, you teach others. Then why don't you teach yourself? Now, 
wait a minute, Lord, you're being rude. Well, see, that's what happened to Jesus, too. Jesus would be talking to these Pharisees at their house for dinner, and they said, oh, you've offended us. <laughs> he said, yeah, you're washing your hands, but you're not washing your heart. Things going on inside you. Anyway, you tell others not to steal. Do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery. Do you do it? You say don't pray to idols, but you make God your, I mean, you make money your God instead. Oh, my gosh. Oh, where's he going with all this? Basically, we're all in trouble. And there's one way out. It's Jesus. You're so proud of knowing God's laws, but you dishonor him by breaking them. No wonder the scripture says the world speaks evil of God because of you. Being a Jew is worth something if you obey God's laws. But if you don't, you're no better off than the heathen. And if the heathen obey God's laws, won't God give him all the rights and honors he planned to give the Jews? In fact, the heathen will, be, heathen will be much better off than you Jews who know so much about God and have his promises, but you don't do them. Okay, here we go. For you all are not real Jews because you're born of Jewish parents or because you've gone through the Jewish initiation, initiation ceremony of certain. No, a real Jew is anyone whose heart is right with God. For God's not looking for those who cut their bodies in actual body circumcision, but he's looking for those with changed hearts and minds. Whoever uh, has that kind of change in his life will get his praise from God. Excuse me. Even if not from you. Still talking. Then, what good is it to be a Jew? Are there any special benefits from them from God? Is there any value in the Jewish circumcision ceremony? Yeah. A Jew's got many advantages. First of all, he's got the Bible. I mean, he needs to read it, but he's got it, okay? God trusted him with his laws so that they could know and do his will. Some of them were unfaithful just because, look at this, just because they broke their promises, does that mean God will break his promises? Hallelujah, no, praise the Lord, okay. Of course not. Though everyone in the world is a liar, God is not. Boy, that's something you've got to trust on your own. Well, everybody else lies. I bet somebody was drinking when they wrote the Bible. No, they weren't, praise the Lord. Do you remember what the book of Psalms says? That God's word always proves true and right no matter what the question is? Now hold with me. We're going to stop right here. Watch this. But some say, I break in faith with God's good because our sins serve a good purpose. For God will notice how, for people will notice how good God is when they see how bad we are. Is it fair then for him to punish us when our sins are actually helping him? Uh, that's the way some people talk. God forbid. Then what kind of God would he be to overlook sin? He can never condemn anyone. That's kind of interesting. Because even today in America, we think, well, I don't believe a, a God would send, a, a loving God would send somebody to hell. It's, it's worse than that. The soul that sinneth will die. It's, it's just a must. God can't look over that. Something has to happen. And that's why this happened. It was a ransom. How many movies have we seen where, you know, the kidnapper demands, a, well, that's it. Somebody gave the ransom. Jesus did. It's fantastic. Okay. All right. But some say I break in, okay, excuse me, it's unfair for him to punish us when our sins are actually helping him. That's the way some people talk. God forbid. Then how uh, kind, uh, no, then what kind of God would he be to overlook sin? He could never condemn anyone. For if he could not judge and condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty brought glory by pointing out his honesty in contrast to my lies. If you follow this through with that idea, it comes to this. The worse we are, the better God likes it. <laughs> but the damnation of those which say such things is just. Yet some claim that this is what I preach. Now I want to insert right here. They're saying Paul was saying this. Now there had to be a reason he was saying it. That. That's because the grace of God is so great. I mean, the worst of us, we have forgiveness. Remember the thief on the cross? At one point, he was saying, yeah, why don't you get us down from here? A few minutes later, he's going, remember me when you come into the kingdom. I mean, remember me, you know, when you come into your kingdom. Boy, what did Jesus say? He says, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Wow, gosh. Okay. 
uh, well then, are we Jews better than others? Now look at this. He just named himself because Paul's a Jew. No, not at all. For we've already shown, look at this, that all men are alike, whether Jews or Gentiles. All the, all, as the scripture says, no one is good. No one in the world is innocent. No one has ever really followed God's path or even, or even truly wanted to. Everyone has turned away. All have gone. No one anywhere has kept on doing what is right. That's how the book of Psalms. Their talk is foul and filthy like the stench from an open grave. Their tongue is loaded with lies. Everything they say has the sting of, I think it's serpents or whatever, whatever it's, has the sting of, yeah, poison and deadly snakes. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Remember, he just said we're all like this. They're quick to kill, hating uh, anyone who disagrees with them. Wherever they go, they leave misery and trouble behind. And they have not, never known what it's like to feel secure or to enjoy God's blessing. They care nothing about God nor what he thinks of them. So look what he says. So the judgment of God lies heavily upon the Jews. Wait a minute, you mean the losers? No, he just said the Jews. For they're responsible to keep the, God's laws instead of doing all these evil things. Not one of them has an excuse. In fact, look at this, look at this. Billy Graham right here. The whole world stands hushed and guilty before Almighty God. And see today sometimes, and you'll, you'll come up with this too if you don't read your Bible. You'll think, well, I'm glad I'm not like so-and-so. Remember Jesus told a parable. There was a, a tax collector, which was supposed to be the scum of the earth. You know, he cheated, all this kind of stuff. And he's over there praying, and he wouldn't even lift up his head, Jesus said. He was praying. But then there was a Pharisee over here, and, he, and the Pharisee's going, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like this guy. <laughs> I'm not like this guy. I tithe. I do this. I do this. Matter of fact, the King James Bible says he prayed to himself. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what he was doing. But the Bible says that Jesus said that the tax collector, he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Bible says that Jesus said, this guy went away justified. In other words, God treated him as though... He was perfect. Wow. All right, here we go. The whole world stands hushed and guilty before Almighty God. Don't you see it? No one can ever be made right in God's sights by doing what the law commands. Remember, Paul was having people killed that believed in Jesus. Not anymore. Not anymore. For the more we know God's laws, the clearer it becomes we aren't obeying them. His laws serve only to make us see that we're sinners. But now God has shown, what do you say? A different way to heaven. Not by being good enough and trying to keep his laws. Oh, please listen closely. But by a new way, though not really new. The scriptures told about it long ago. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. God treated him as though he was perfect. Just because he believed God. He wasn't perfect. Now God says that he will accept and acquit us, declare us not guilty if we trust Jesus to take away our sins. And we can all be saved in the same way by coming to Christ, no matter who we are or what we've been like. Yes, we have all sinned. We've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. Here's that scripture. Yes, we've all sinned, all fall short of God's glorious idea. Yet God declares us not guilty. No sinners say, well, I hope you're perfect. Don't you dare do this. Oh, come on, the whole world is guilty. I'm as guilty as the foulest one. Yet now God declares us not guilty of offending Him if we trust Jesus Christ, who in His kindness freely takes away our sins. For God sent Jesus Christ to take the punishment for our sins and to end all of God's anger against us. See, sometimes today we think, well, I'm reaping what I sowed. No, don't do that. Jesus took your punishment. Get rid of that thought. You know, how much punishment do you think you're going to 
be able to take to earn whatever the benefit is. There's not going to be one. You couldn't do it anyway. Punishment for sin is death anyway. So this is... Anyway, he took the punishment. He used Christ's blood in our faith as a means of saving us from his wrath. Praise the Lord. In this way, he was being entirely fair, even though he did not punish those who sinned in former times. God called this fair. Praise the Lord. Why? Jesus took our blows for us. For he was looking forward to the time when Christ would come and take away those sins. And now in these days, he can also receive sinners in the same way because Jesus took away their sins. But isn't this unfair for God to let criminals go free and say they're innocent? No, for he does it on their basis of what? Trust in Jesus. Only trust him. Only trust him. Wow. Then what can boasting, excuse me, then what can we boast about doing to earn, I mean, uh, about doing to earn his salvation? Nothing. Nothing. It's just Jesus. Nothing at all. Why? Because our acquittal is not based on our good deeds. It's based on what Christ has done and our faith. So it is that we're saved by faith in Christ and not by doing the good things we do. Boy, that's backwards. I mean, some of the best Christians I know are still, you know, and we, we come up with our own rules. I quit drinking. I quit dancing. I quit doing drugs. You probably weren't doing that anyway. And you're naming things that, gee, whatever. And does God save the Jews, only the Jews in this way? No, the Gentiles too. They may come in the same manner. God treats us all the same. All, whether Jews or Gentiles, are acquitted if they have faith. Well then, if we're saved by faith, does this mean we no longer need to obey God's laws? No, just the opposite. It's only when we trust Jesus that we can truly obey Him. Wow. Praise the Lord. Man, we're running out of time. I do want to point out something right here in the fourth chapter. Oh. Oh. Let's see here. One second. We'll stop. Yeah, I don't want to go with those. Let's see. Yeah, look at this. This is in the next chapter. He keeps telling the story. Look at this. It's clear that God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not because Abraham obeyed God's laws, but because he trusted God to keep his promise. So you see, if you still claim that God's blessings come to those who are good enough, let's say your throat's hurting and you're, you're you, immediately you're going to be thinking, Lord, I, I, help me today. You'll start thinking, I'm, I'm not the best. Don't do that. It's the blood of Jesus. And if it's financial, it's the blood of Jesus. It's not you. Here, watch this. Then you're saying that God's promise to those who have faith are meaningless. And faith is foolishness. Look at this. But the fact of the matter is, when we try to gain God's blessing and salvation by keeping His laws, we end up under His anger. For we always fail to keep them. Hello. Look at this. The only way, I'll stop here, look at this. The only way we can keep from breaking laws is to not have any to break. And that's where you stand in Jesus right now. He don't have a measure in things except for one thing. Believe in Him. Trust Him. Praise God. Quit worrying about a list of things you're doing or whatever. Just trust Jesus to take you to heaven. Father, we thank you for your word today. We just thank you. If we're not feeling good, you'll take care of us. Hallelujah. No matter what pain or anything in our bodies, oh, you healed them all. Every person that ever came to you, Lord, you healed them. And it carried on all the way through history, through the book of Revelation. Father, same thing's true financially. If we're hurting financially, you'll fix that. Same way. Same thing's true if we're facing some other problem and it's causing us to worry today. Lord, take care of that. Get us out of whatever problem it is. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to tell others what great things Jesus is doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.